Hello, everybody. Yes, I am still here. Uh, of course, this is Sean. Uh, thank you for guys for uh, going logging in here to the podcast to This Is Life. Um, it's been a really wild, um, unpredictable last 30 days. Um, in fact, it kind of got to the point where I wasn't even sure... I would be pushing the record button and and, and kind of starting it all over. It's uh, it's really difficult sometimes. Here's, here's the thing, guys. When I first started this this podcast and this and this episode, kind of like you heard me say, oh, a couple months ago when I was talking about the, just the how it kind of all started, how it all began, and it was just basically just a challenge just for my friends saying, hey, you know, you don't no longer have the church, you know, no, no, no longer necessarily pastoring the church, but yet you're still, you still love to talk to people. You still, you know, love to preach and, you know, why don't you consider starting the podcast, you know, and, and, and it really kind of, just, I got excited about it. And, you know, we had a great run from the summer to the end of the year. Um, I, I intended to be, uh, post a podcast way sooner than now. And it's been almost 30 days, I think since the last episode we got posted. Uh, so first off, let me apologize. Uh, I, you know, I, I, for those of you who are faithful and who are weekly listeners, uh, I apologize that I've been missing. I've been gone. Uh, nothing's happened to me. I mean, I'm still here. My family's still here. We're still doing good. A lot has happened, and we'll get into that shortly. Um, you know, because there's some things that's kind of want to share just from the heart today, and and just hopefully, just kind of, you know, one of the reasons I'll do the show is just to not only have an outlet for me just to kind of share what's on my heart, but also just allow you, the listeners, and whoever wants to hear just a little peek inside my life and the life of those people whom I uh, invite in and, and talk to. And, and that's the other thing is it's kind of been a little bit of struggle getting guests in here. And I understand schedules are tough and, you know, it's really difficult sometimes to kind of put um, things together when there's so many pressing things going on in life. So I don't ever like to pressure my guests any more than I need to. I'm not paying them. And you know they're they're being gracious with their time just to come and sit across the table from me and just to put some things down. So eventually we will have some guests. You know I don't know exactly who, when, or how, uh, but that is a major part of the show is having guests and just talking about life in general and and the ups and the downs and all the circumstances and things that we go through. Um, but I figured today would be kind of a good opportunity for me to just share what's been going on in my life. For the last 30 days and it's been a great 30 days it's also been just as equally a tough 30 days and sometimes even some really sad last 30 days so let's just kind of just talk about um well first off it was, i reviewed the last several episodes that i did in 2019 um the last two in particular i had no idea that they would be kind of premonitioning some things that were going to be happening in my own life you know when I when I was when I used to preach and do the weekly sermons at my service at the, at the church back when I pastored um, full time, I always found it really interesting. In fact, just a little bit of a side note here: whenever you hear a pastor talking and preaching, that's not a message that was intended for the church. Most of the time, the messages that the pastor is speaking is because the Lord put it on His heart for Himself. In fact, I think about it. I don't really ever remember a sermon that I remember going into be like, well, this, this sermon has nothing to do with me, but the congregation needs to hear it. No, I mean, 
it has to be that way, you know. The the if there's especially if it's any kind of sermon that is a corrective type sermon where, you know, where there has to be some straightening up, you know, uh, of whatever sin or issues or any kind of correction. I mean, that is does happen. I mean, it happens with the parents to children. No reason to think that it wouldn't happen between a pastor and a congregation. But the pastor is the one who's responsible, and the pastor has to make sure that he or she, uh, that, that they are listening to the Holy Spirit, that they are being corrected first and foremost, and that way they won't be deemed a hypocrite or, or worse, you know, uh, prideful. Uh, so you have to really make sure that your heart is right before you deliver any kind of message, especially any kind of corrective message, which, you know, praise God, those are very few and far between. But regardless, every single message that a pastor speaks, those are intended first and foremost from the Lord to the pastor. And so whenever I'm speaking here, guys, speaking from the heart, uh, these are things that God had put on my heart for me specifically first. You know, what are things that I need to do better? How are, how do I need to view life differently? How do I need to be more mindful of people around me or my relationships with people or my encounters with people? How can I become more of a light and a shining example of his love to more people? And then, of course, I, you know, gain from that understanding. I practice it. I put it in my life and then I share it with you. Well, towards the end of the year, the service, the messages started to kind of go towards what about just the brevity of life, about how life is not promised to any of us, that every single day is a gift and that it's just a vapor. And what are you doing with your vapor? What are you doing with the the the, the dash in between the, the birth and the death years of your life? How are you making that dash count? And of course, at the end of the year, I was talking about grace and about how there's going to be circumstances and difficulties and issues and just experiences in life that we're going to have to rely on God's grace. In other words, God's grace is the only way we're going to survive, that we're going to be able to get up every single day. I mean, we all have bad days. Don't get me wrong. We all have days where getting out of bed is the last thing we want to do. It could be because maybe we're not feeling well, or maybe we had a bad day at work prior, or maybe we're just lazy, or maybe, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it's just there's days that we don't get out of bed. But then you have those days where just even the thought of encountering people or being out and about or having to face questions, you know, or face just conversations or just, you know, life does happen, you know, where you just don't, there's circumstances that we go through in life and times where we just don't want to be around people, where we have to just, you know, really do some inward searching and seeking and self-healing before we're able to interact. But of course, that's not how God wants us. God desires, I mean, we're social creatures. He desires us to be um, you know, around others. And that's very, very important. We can't just, you know, we hold up in our houses and our bedrooms all the time. Uh, you know, we can't just, just sit there and watch Netflix and binge on popcorn and soda all the time. It's not healthy. What's ahead what is healthy, however, is going out, interacting with people, meeting new people, engaging, and then most of all, doing all of those things while evangelizing at the same time. And of course that's evangelizing meaning, meaning that you are actively living out the love of God and your life. He's given you, 
and you're giving it to other people. That's what evangelism is. It's not about passing out tracts or Christian t-shirts or telling people they're going to hell. No, it's about actively living out the gospel of Jesus Christ and you doing and exceeding and experiencing his love first from him and then giving that love to others. So we talked at the end of the year, just again, about the brevity of life, about how the life is going to happen to us all. There's going to be good days and bad days. And on the bad days, how are you going to react? And how are you going to, in those times that God's grace is absolutely necessary for your survival, how are you going to rely on it? And do you rely on it? And do you turn it on God's grace and ask him to be an active participant in your life? That's important. We, we can't just say that we love God and then just expect him just to be there. No, we have to, have, you know, develop a relationship with him. Number one, if you don't develop a relationship with him, how are you going to know when he's present, right? I mean, there's people all around. We walk through among strangers all of the time. And yeah, you may be around these people. You may be aware of their existence, but do you actually know them? That's how a lot of people kind of go through their life with God. They're aware of his existence, but they couldn't tell you what was God and what wasn't because they don't actually know him. They haven't developed a relationship with him. And that's prime. That's, that's like prime objective. If you're a disciple of God, if you're to say, I'm a Christian, that I'm one who do, who is a Christ follower, then you ought to get to know who you're following, right? Because otherwise you get into following a lead that is anti-Christ, that is against what he desires. And, and that's not where any of us want to be. So let me kind of just back up. We'll kind of start with the good. Kind of, kind of tell you where I've been for the last thirty days. Uh, we had a wonderful Christmas, my family and I. We uh, were able to spend Christmas Eve. What well, kind of what we do is every year we spend Christmas Eve, uh, the day of Christmas Eve, with my wife's family. It's it's a tradition that they've been doing for years and years, but even before I was here, uh, most families have uh, you know ham or turkey. Uh, my wife's family uh, they have Cajun roots, so uh, that's where. We have gumbo every year, gumbo and chili. I know those don't seem to go together, but it works for our family, for my wife's side of the family. Uh, we, we bring gumbo, we bring chili. We have just a fun time of opening presents and gifts. Every Thanksgiving, you know, they draw names. And, and there's, you know, you have a um, – my wife's parents had four kids, so not only do they have those four kids plus their spouses plus their children plus a couple great-grandchildren. I mean, it's, it's quite an ordeal in a 100-year-old house – in a small living room, but it's family, it's time together. You know, it's, it's something you wouldn't trade for nothing. And we've had you know, Christmas at some of the other houses in my house and some of the other siblings' houses and that kind of deal. But there is truly nothing like just going home. And that's what we did at my wife's childhood home. And, of course, we got together and uh, just had a great time with uh, with her parents. And it was, it unfortunately, had to be a very short time. Uh, generally, we, we were able to spend at least several hours, um, but uh, we were flying out that afternoon to go down to the Dallas area to visit my folks to spend the Christmas holiday, Christmas Day holiday with them. So we went to my wife, my wife's family, opened up all the presents, ate the good food, hugged, you know, and and um, we we're out of there. Went to the airport, uh, fly, fly into Kansas, fly to Dallas from Kansas City. Y'all, you never know if the flights are going to be busy on Christmas Eve. Uh, we've been on flights where we're only like maybe ten people on board, uh, and sometimes it's 
like you see on TV, you know, the news where there's people, you know, an hour away just to get to your bags checked. I mean, praise God, it wasn't like that. But I mean, it definitely was a little bit more and more people than normal, but no big deal. We got on the flight. We're on our festive gear. Um, you know, my, my daughter, who's six now, has been flying since she was an infant. So uh, I, I'm always afraid that people are going to, like, look at her and be like, oh, man, we got a kid on board. But no, my wife, my, my kid, seasoned traveler. And that's that's not only in air in air, air in, uh, airlines or in airport, uh, airplanes, rather, but in cars or whatever. My kid is a traveler. Maybe that's good that we have a 35, 40-minute commute to work every single day. Uh, because she's just gotten used to traveling. Ain't no big deal. And uh, so anyway, we go down to visit my family and have a really, really good time down there. Uh, we went to this thing called Ice. It's in the Dallas area where it's basically, it's like a, it's a walk-through exhibit. It takes about, well, it takes, it's supposed to take like 15, 20 minutes. Um, but it was so crowded. And what it basically is, is it was the, based off the Peanuts characters. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, I'm talking about like Snoopy and Charlie Brown and that kind of deal. And what they do is they create giant blocks of ice and they mold them to look like the Peanuts characters. And it's actually pretty cool. Um, literally cool, right? But they have all the different, you have colors and it's not just, you know, clear chunks of ice. They actually dye the ice and they, you know, create scenes, you know, look like Peanut characters. And, um, you know, it was a bit expensive. We hadn't done it in a while. So I guess this could be something to do with the kids. Um, man, it took forever to get through lines. So many, so many, so many people. I thought we'd go and it'd be after the Christmas time holiday and people start to, uh, you know, go back to work or whatever. But no, we happened to go on just this crazy busy day. It was supposed to take like 15 minutes to go through and being ne- like, it was like negative. Um, I think what they say, like 10 degrees, not not negative. It was like 10 degrees, right? It's really cold. I, I'm thinking, of course, I, I don't, you're supposed to grab a parka on your way in, you know, as you're, as you're walking in the line and right before you go into this giant refrigerated, you know, area. Okay. Uh, you're supposed to, they, they encourage you, they don't make you, but they encourage you to wear these parkas that they, uh, hand out for people. And they're just big giant coats. And, um, I'm from Kansas. I don't need one. And of course, as we're getting closer and closer and the coolness is starting to kind of escape from every time they open the door, I'm starting to regret my decision of not wearing a parka. Of course, I'm, I'm in jeans at least, and I have a short, short sleeve shirt on. Um, I'm like, Oh, I can do this, but no, I'm glad I did. I, here's what happened. My sister, who's very outgoing, has no shame in her whatsoever. As, as people were leaving, she saw a bit, cause I'm kind of a big guy. She saw another guy around my Size. She goes, hey, if you're done with that parka, can my brother who didn't grab one, can he grab any borrow? And the guy's like, yeah, he's going to need it. I'm like, oh, great. So the guy let me borrow the parka. And we walk in, and it was only supposed to take like 15, 20 minutes, but no, because there were so many people, it's literally crawling through that there's zero way. It probably took us like double the amount of time. In fact, there's a big slide, quote unquote slide, an ice slide at the end that felt bad that my daughter didn't get to do, but the line was just ridiculous. And, you know, it was already 10 degrees, and, you know, it's, it was just time to go. It was cool to see. Um, I'm glad the guy let me borrow the parka because I would have been miserable, miserable. I don't like cold anyway, but I thought I could handle it, but not so much. I guess that goes to say, it goes to show you, you know, you think you can handle things that you can't, you know, and you have to be humbled. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Well, anyway, 
So we get done with that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, went and tried to go see the lights and Christmas. Everything was just busy. And I get, I get it. It's just Texas and the Dallas area. You know, I'm, I'm, I live in, say, in the Topeka, Kansas. You know, where it's not, it's, it's not crowded. I mean, it's your average Midwestern town. But you spend everywhere in Dallas is just, just crazy busy. It's always difficult to plan and to do things because things that, even to get there take double the amount of time. Well, after we spent the Christmas holidays with my family, uh, we had our vacation plan, which was a lot of fun. We decided we're kind of Disney people. I should say kind of. We are Disney people. I know that annoys some people. Some people are like, how in the world do people go to Disney World or Disneyland on their vacation like every year? They, you know, so how do you do the same thing? And I mean, the good news about Disney and Disney World and all that is that it is so different. I mean, there's a lot of uh, things that you can do. You don't necessarily have to just go to the parks and the resorts. And this is not a, a commercial for Disney. I mean, if they want to be a sponsor of the show, hey, go for it. But we are definitely Disney people, especially now that we have a daughter. It makes it just that even much more fun. Um but we had planned to go on a Disney cruise um, on the on the weekend, and we figured it'd be kind of fun to go a few days prior to go to Disney World and go to a couple resorts. We ended up going to a New Year's Eve party at one of the resorts at Disney World. It was a Pixar theme, so everything was all it had all of the bunch of the characters like Woody and Buzz from Toy Story and. Oh, uh, joy and sadness from this movie called Inside Out, and uh, Wally. If you don't know if you've ever seen the movie Wally, Wally the character was there, and they had crafts for the kids, and they had a big party uh, where you know big DJs singing, doing a bunch of songs, you know, where you can go and dance. And I mean, we had a great, great, great time. It was just a really family, f- fun, friendly atmosphere, and really, really, really good food. Um, you know, they had uh, Soli. If you ever seen Monsters Inc., Soli is one of the monsters. He's purple and blue, and all of the food was themed after Pixar characters. The most interesting of which was this Soli's macaroni and cheese, which was pink and blue macaroni and cheese. My daughter thought it was the coolest thing ever. It tasted okay. I wasn't so sure myself. I was like, okay, as an adult, you know, this is a little different. I would think of this a little different as an adult than it was a kid, but it still tasted fine. Uh, so Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, all those things. Anyway, it was a good time. And then at the end of the night, right before the countdown, you go outside into this promenade outside the resort, which is out lo- looking towards the Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, where they were going to do a, a countdown to midnight and fireworks show. Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of fireworks shows uh, my, my, in my life. Man, this was the most incredible one ever. I mean, there was fireworks all over from everywhere you could see. Uh, they really, really do do it right. And, you know, it was, it was a little bit expensive, but, you know, we saved up for it all year. Ended up, I think, being worth it. Went to the Magic Kingdom, went to Hollywood Studios the next couple of days. Um, tried to get on the new Star Wars rides, but, yeah, that wasn't happening because it had recently opened up, like, in the last, like, month or two. And um, there was just no way, especially in the brand, brand, brand new ride that don't been up for two weeks. I mean, people were getting there at like five in the morning just to get a what they call a boarding pass for the new Rise of the Resistance. That's the name of the ride. It's a Star Wars themed Rise of the Resistance. And there are people who would show up at Hollywood Studios at five o'clock in the morning and the park didn't even open till seven. So they get there and they wait outside the gates for two hours. And then as soon as you get in the park, you're able to open up your app and then get a boarding pass for this particular ride. 
Now, you get the boarding pass. That didn't mean you actually get to ride the ride. That just means that you have now have the opportunity to possibly get on the ride and, and you know, based on the boarding pass, the number they call, how many people they get through, all this other stuff. If I was a single guy or maybe there were a couple of buddies, sure, I go do this. I think it's worth it. Uh, but I'm with my wife and a six-year-old, and can you imagine me trying to drag my wife and a six-year-old to the park two hours before it even opens just to, for the chance to ride a Star Wars ride? <laughs> We're not that big a Star Wars fan, so it's not, it's not really going to happen. Some people, it's worth it, and I get it. For some people, that they spend all year long waiting for that moment, man, and go for it. If that's your, that's your thing, then go for it. It is impressive. It is cool to see. They have the Millennium Falcon, you know, where you can see what the mineral a a replica of the mini millennium falcon um which is the you know the spaceship in star wars i'm sounding like a, i don't even know what i'm talking about i'll go and stop now it was cool though it was a good time um and you know if, if you're able to ever make it down there it's always it's worth it it really is I, again for some people it's everything some people that's what they love to do and some people disney world once is good enough after we did the Disney World thing, we were excited because now it's time for rest and relaxation to go on a cruise. And uh, we're going to Disney Cruise, which is a little bit different than your normal carnival cruise. I mean, yeah, you have your Disney-themed activities and characters, and it's really good for families, you know, because they have whole Disney-themed clubs for the kids. So, you know, but for me, Disney just always does things like number one top you know and everything's real clean that's really important to me with cruise ships is really clean because you're basically you're a floating city and you're surrounded by people the same people for four days and everybody's touching every single thing i mean you know, the ice cream machine for example is 24 7 with people over there self-serving themselves ice cream you know and i and i i was happy to see that they kept that very clean and orderly because i mean it could be just if you let go people unfortunately society itself is not necessarily the cleanest we don't really take you know uh most people don't you know um take care after themselves and whatever so clean up after themselves and especially kids you know who don't know any better uh so i'm happy to see that disney always you know made sure that everything was clean every time you walk into the dining hall or into a new part of the ship they would have somebody there that would hand you a little towel that you to wipe your hands with purell or whatever or anyway or uh they always was really it was really nice we had a good time uh there's a particular um they kind of give you just a real right just a brief synopsis. I hope you guys don't mind me just kind of sharing kind of just about the trip. It was just kind of fun to share. Um, it's a, it was a three night cruise, right? So you leave on a Friday afternoon. They have this big castaway party with all the Mickey Mouse characters and everything on the, on the top of the ship. And for, you know, and uh, the big party and everyone says goodbyes. They're waving to everybody in the shore. And then all of a sudden you're out of the open ocean and, and they have like the really cool, um, all sorts of activities, not only for kids, for adults, for families, individuals, you know, all of these different things you can do. They have shows on board each night. Uh, the did the food is incredible. And the cool thing about the food is it's all included. Definitely. Not, I'm going to say free cause I paid for it, but it was definitely included. Uh, anytime you want, and you can go get, you know, all, as much as you want, whenever, however, uh, it'd be really easy to gain a few pounds on a cruise ship if you wanted to, uh, you know, and I, I didn't want to get sick, you know, so I just like, you know, kept 
pretty moderate. I mean, there's a couple things I had a little extra, but it was still, yeah, you're on vacation, right? Had a good time. Uh, Saturday, we led, we, we arrived at Nassau that, that morning, uh, which is in the Bahamas, of course. Uh, we opted to stay on board. Uh, we had a bunch of activities planned for my daughter to kind of have a princess day. Uh, so we had actually, my wife and I had been on a cruise before, Disney, same boat actually, several years ago. Uh, and we actually went and did the Nassau thing with the Atlantis Resort and kind of already seen it. Really wasn't, you know, we figured we'd just have more time, more fun being uh, on the ship, which we actually did. My wife, my wife, my daughter went and did a princess tea party with all the Disney princesses. And, uh, you know, we got to do some meet and greets and um, just, you know, my, my daughter, who's a water, I mean, she, she's all about the water. She went swimming, um, like a lot, a lot went swimming. They had a big water slide. She was all about, I mean, you can watch Disney movies while you're swimming it, you know, it's beautiful weather, whatever. It's a good time. The next morning, we are supposed to be arriving at Disney's private island called Castaway Key. And I'm noticing as we are pulling up towards the island, it's a bit windier than I remember being last time we were there. And uh, the water seemed to be a little bit choppy. Well, as luck would have it, unfortunately, they tried four times in a span of about five hours uh, to dock the boat at the pier at their castaway key so that we could go and have a day on the island, Disney's private island. So they had the beaches and they have activities and snorkeling and swimming and a barbecue on, 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 on the beach. I mean, all and all sorts of fun things. You know, just a day on a private island. Okay, sounds good to me. Well, um, they tried four times to dock the boat. And they, I read somewhere that out of the entire year, only 3% of the time can they not dock the boat at Castaway Key. Well, we just happened to be part of the 3% that didn't dock. And it was really sad. I mean, they you know, kudos to Disney. They did try. But, I mean, you're on a boat, and, you, you know, they have to be very sad to make sure that your safety, or you're on a ship, rather, and yet they have to make sure that everybody's safety is number one. And I get that. And, you know, there's some people that are bummed out about it, but, I mean, what are you going to do, you know? And, they, of course, I made better by having a bunch of extra activities and things going on. We basically ended up having just a day at sea. Um. Okay, so next thing is to, to head towards back to home. That was Sunday, was the day at Castaway Key, and then we were supposed to be arriving back at port, and then we'd be flying home on Monday. Uh, well, this is kind of when things start to turn from happy Mickey Mouse, everybody, everything's going great, to life finally is about to hit Rachel and I, my wife, square in the forehead. So as I'm, we're kind of laying down and getting ready for bed. My wife and I have already put our daughter down to bed. We're in the middle of the ocean, somewhere in the Caribbean, uh, heading back to port. And it's probably about 8.30, 9 o'clock. About 9.30, if I remember, but 9.30. And my friend, Adam, he messaged me, uh, which wasn't unusual because we were able to get messages i message you know um throughout the whole trip so if you had an iphone like we do you're able to message through the wi-fi on the ship uh with your friends and family back home if they have iMessage, which is apple's uh messaging service on their phones and um adam sent me a message it said uh is rachel bear you 
and I thought he was just messing around. And I said, bear, LOL, B-E-A-R, bear. And then he said, no, near, autocorrect. Is Rachel near you? Important news regarding her family. Now, at that point, I figured something was wrong. Uh, a lot of things were going through my head as to what was going on. So as I'm in the middle of texting him, all of a sudden our phone rings in our stateroom. Now, let me tell you something about the phone in the stateroom. You're in the middle of the ocean. The only reason why that phone would ring would be is if there's an announcement from the captain or your stateroom host has something they need to tell you about for the next day. Or most of the time, the reason why the phone was ringing is because there's an emergency phone call coming from the mainland. See, before we left, we gave my family and my and my wife's family, uh, we just we gave them an, an information card that had our ship, our stateroom, our emergency phone number. Now, the emergency phone number is six ninety five a minute, $6.95 a minute. You're only going to be calling this number if it's urgent and emergency. And sure enough, I pick up the phone, and it said, uh, the operator came on and says, Mr. Johnson, yes, uh, there, there's a phone call from a Melissa such and such, my wife's sister, and she's on the phone. Would you like to accept the phone call? Yes. And immediately I knew something was about to go south, and sure enough, Melissa, my wife's sister, my wife's next to me in the bed. She just knows I'm answering the phone. She goes, Sean, are you there? I'm like, yeah. She goes, we lost mom. I'm like, wait, wait, wait say what? It's, I mean, I was like, it was like, I just, I didn't hear her. I'm like, what say again? What happened? She goes, Sean, we lost mom. Uh, and I said, okay, well, what happened? She goes, I don't know. I just know that she was at the nursing home and she had, um, but not feeling well, and they went to check on her uh, after they put her to bed, and about an hour later, and she just, they, they, they found her uh, unresponsive, and she's no longer living. And I said, oh, oh, this is like the last thing you want to hear while you're in, the, especially while you're in the middle of the ocean, that somebody you love whom you just spent Christmas with who, who I've been married to her, her to my wife for now 18 years. We just celebrated our 18th anniversary. Something that's been a part of my life for literally a half of my life is now gone. And I'm also now responsible to turn to my wife. Who's obviously upset or worried because she understands at this point, it's an important phone call. How am I going to tell her? So I hang up the phone with Melissa. And just real quick before I tell you what happened next, to give you a little background, my wife's mother's been sick for about 10 years. I mean, give or take. Um, she's been a roller coaster of a lot of things, but at the end of the day, she really had been suffering with Parkinson's and was starting to have suffer from dementia. Uh, she would at least once a year for the last three or four years, sometimes twice a year, uh, end up going to the hospital for various things. Sometimes she would wake up and she wouldn't uh, be talking to Randy, her husband, my father-in-law. She would just kind of be glazed over look or not responsive. So they'd have to call an ambulance and, um, you know, there'd be other times where she would um, just, uh, I don't know, put it this way. She basically had some time. She had to go to the hospital, okay? And generally what would happen is she would go to the hospital, get treatment, get some rest, 
they would change her medication and then they would send her to a nursing home, uh, which is nearby the house. And she would be there for about four to six weeks for rehab, just monitoring her and, you know, kind of getting her back to where she can go back home and, you know, live life, quote unquote, normal again. Um, my, my wife's mom was, was still active most of the time. I mean, she still could talk. She could still engage. She still loved playing, you know, with her, you know, to what she could with her granddaughter, my my, my daughter. Uh, we would go visit at least once, twice a week, you know, really try. It was really important to us to make sure that they knew that we wanted them in our lives and that we loved them being a part of our daughter's lives. And we wanted them to know that we, uh, we still do even today, um, you know, with my wife's living, you know, dad, he's still around, you know, it's important for us to let them know that we love them as a family and that, that we are engaging with them. And uh, it was really, really difficult, you know, seeing mom, but she was ill. We still go over to visit her in the nursing home when she was there. Well, that same thing kind of happened right before or right after Christmas, rather, while we were in Dallas, my wife's mother ended up going into the hospital. And same thing, she just was uh, real responsive. Dad called the, you know, the doctors, the ambulance, they came and got her. Um, and she was kind of on the, on the up, you know. Uh, my wife was able to do a FaceTime with her when we arrived in Florida. And, you know, it was definitely not as good as being there. We wanted to be there, but... You know, obviously we were miles and miles away, um, but that's one of the reasons why we gave them the emergency number in case something bad happens, which we were hoping didn't end up happening. But as I already mentioned, it, it ended up happening. Um, so my wife got to FaceTime with, with mom the day, right? Good about a day or two before we left. That was actually going to end up being the last time she actually got to speak with her mom. And apparently, as I understand it, uh, mom was uh, at the nursing home and was doing okay, real tired, wasn't talking much, if at all. Uh, but they went in, you know, she went to, got to put to bed and uh, she went to sleep. And uh, when the nurses went to go check on her about an hour later, uh, she was gone. She had gone home. And uh, that was pretty much it. <laughs> Uh, I've heard rumors for here recently that she was talking to one of the granddaughters, I don't know, a couple of years ago, whatever. And that was her wishes. We, I, I didn't know this. Nobody in the family knew it until it kind of came out after grandma had passed that, uh, she had mentioned to one of her granddaughters that when it's her time to go, she just wants to be, uh, she wants everybody to know that she's okay. And she wants to just, uh, go to sleep and go on home. And God was gracious enough to give her that desire. Um, so fast forward now back to hanging up the phone with my sister in the middle of an ocean and having to turn to my wife, whom I love with everything in me, and tell her that her mom is gone. Um, that there's certain times in my life, I don't remember a lot, I know I, I, you know, generally I don't remember things until I'm talking and all of a sudden they just kind of come up. Uh, but I, I don't like to, th- I don't, I don't really think that I have a really strong memory. Um, but that particular instance, I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And I think about it often because it's the last thing you want to do is to tell your wife, the woman that gave her birth, that she loves with everything in her, that she, has known literally all of her life 
is gone. And um, I said, I said to her, I said, baby girl, I said, uh, hold on. I said, I have something important to tell you. Um, Mom's gone. She did the same thing I did. What? What do you mean? I'm like, I told her, I said, well, they put her to sleep. I, they let her, you know, put her down for to go to sleep at night. And about an hour later, they went to check on her and, and she'd passed. Yeah, how hard it is to be sitting there literally in the middle of the ocean where all the family is now together and, you know, kind of just able to console each other and be with each other and hug each other and cry. And we are literally out in the middle of the ocean. I mean, at that point, there's, we could not get home fast enough. I mean, I was, our flight wasn't scheduled to go out till late the next day in the evening. And I was, I was trying to figure out a way if, if I can try and get away, try, you know, as soon as the ship docks early, <coughs> as soon as the ship docks early the next morning, getting in a taxi or, or Uber or something and going straight to the airport and going home. Um, but I just, I didn't have the money. I didn't have, I didn't have the ability. In fact, there wasn't hardly any ability to do that anyway. So literally we had to just do our best to sleep that night, go have breakfast the next, the next morning, you know, kind of put ourselves together basically just because we hadn't told our daughter yet. And, and I didn't feel it was the right time to tell our daughter. We didn't end up telling her by the time we got home. Um, but the last thing you want to do when you're in a strange place, you know, um, especially in the middle of a travel day is tell your six year old that her grandmother's passed away. You know, it was hard enough for us to understand and to deal with and to, to be able to cope with, you know, I can't imagine how a six year old would have been able to handle that. So we finally made it home that next, that Monday. And believe me, that was a long, long day of traveling, a long day of just, I mean, I couldn't even think straight. I mean, I think I, I think I took like we ended up actually renting a car that afternoon um, while we were in Orlando because uh, we they weren't supposed to fly out to late that evening. We got to the airport like five hours early, and I wasn't about to just uh, sit there in front of a window and stare and think, you know. And this it's Orlando. I mean, there's plenty of things to do. So we ended up going to downtown Disney, or whatever, having lunch and just trying to make something of the day again, you know, especially for our daughter's benefit, just to kind of, you know, keep things moving and going and just to coping. I mean, again, relying on God's grace at this point. I mean, that's all we can do, you know, is just to rely on God's grace and to be strong enough and sufficient for us because God knows that our heart and our minds and our body uh, just were very weary, just were very sorrowful, were very painful. I mean, missing not only mom, but missing the family and missing being there. So anyway, so we got home that night, called the family, let them know we got home. And the next day and the next several days, so I mean, what do you do? You got to just tend to business, right? I mean, it's, I've, I, when I've seen other families who have gone through losses, um, I mean, I, my, I've been fortunate, my wife and I have been fortunate that we haven't had any major losses in our family in, in quite some time. In fact, this is actually one of the first losses my wife's family has had, oh gosh, years, even before I was in the picture. I mean, over 18 years. I think the last one was my wife's aunt. And and that was in the mid-90s, right? So they have, you know, this is kind of all new to them. But I have, however, seen other families. I have one particular family in mind, actually, who's has suffered death more than they ought to have. Uh, just Just between... Uh, you know, the a, a young grandson, a teenage grandson committing suicide, and 
and then the grandfather dying about 10 years prior to that. I mean, and just all this, this, the sadness just kind of goes on. And, and I watched them when they're having to go through this loss and it's almost cruel. I mean, even of course, even Jessica and CJ and Chris, you know, when they lost Aria uh, again, it's like having to watch these families and then being a part of being that kind of family where after your loved one passes on, there's work to be done. You can't just sit there. I mean, as much as you want to go home and just cry and just be sorrowful and miss that person. I mean, you can't, you have to, you have to go to the funeral home. You have to do the planning of the services. You have to, uh, you know, go to the, you know, do all the things that that the, that the society requires of you after, after loved one passes. And yeah, you, you have, there will be time for mourning, but immediately after when you're most fresh is not unfortunately the time to do it until you are home alone and or, or with your family and just to be able to let go. And I really, really try to do that for my wife and my wife, unfortunately, for a lot of very various reasons, I don't really need to get into in the, in the podcast, but she works in an industry uh, that's very difficult to get off work. And her boss, unfortunately, had to have her come in just two days after her mom passed away, uh, which is unheard of. I understand that. A lot of people, I don't want to get any hate mail towards her work. There's probably people out there like, what? But it's true. She had to get him going into work. And, um, man, I was high. I, I, those those days, especially, I, whatever I could do to kind of help relieve the pressure, to relieve the pain, you know, make sure the house was taken care of, my daughter was taken care of. Uh, if, all my wife literally had to do was just be picked up from work, dropped off at work. I'll make sure I get her food, whatever I had to do. Because, I mean, she's mourning in herself and, and not able to be with her family who is having to put all these plans together without her. She did end up being able to at least take one, uh, a couple of days off at the end of the week before the service to make sure that, you know, her, her part was there and that what, you know, uh, what part and role she played in the services could be there as well. Uh, I was asked to speak at my mother-in-law's service, uh, you know, which was nice. You know, I, uh, I, I was grateful that they didn't ask me to do the sermon, um, uh, cause I wanted to be there again for my wife. And, uh, but at the same time, um, I wanted to honor my wife's mom. And so they were asked me to, uh, go up and do a kind of a eulogy and speak. And one of the daughters, uh, my wife's sister wrote a poem, really beautiful poem for mom. Uh, I was able to put together a slideshow, a video slideshow for her, uh, even included some old reels that my dad had found. Actually, they had given me several months ago, uh, some eight millimeter reels. And I was able to put that in the slideshow. So that was really, really big blessing. And I, I enjoyed doing that for them, but man, we miss her. I really, really do. And, uh, it just, again, it puts things in perspective. It's like this life is so brief. And even though mom lived here for 71 years, I mean, the time that I had with her, even the last 18 years, seems like just a blink anymore. Uh, and, and I don't know how to express that anymore. It's like, I, as far as we just don't know, we just don't know we we waste so much time on things that just don't matter in this life and arguments and strife and i mean uh, disputes that just don't matter 
I mean, at the end of the day, really, does does your arguing or my arguing about politics really matter? Government's going to do what they're going to do. Whether or not you and I agree on it or not, is it going to make a hill of beans? But our ability to love each other regardless and to find common ground, that actually does make a difference, you know? And, and so I just like, we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know even what's going to happen five minutes from now. Why do we spend and waste so much time on stupid stuff? I'm just, I don't know. I mean, this whole experience, anytime that death visits you or your family in some way, in some capacity, it really sobers you up, right? It really kind of like puts things in perspective. How am I living my life? How am I relating to other people? Am I being a good enough person? You know, am I saying I love you enough? Am I saying thank you enough? Am I showing gratitude? Am I being the best person that I can be? You know, my wife has said that a lot. She's like, I just hope my, my mom was proud of me. I hope that she knew how much I loved her. I mean, I even thought about that after I lost my bulldog, right? A dog. You know, after 10 years, I, I, I was hoping and praying that my dog just knew how much I loved her. You know, and I don't ever want that to be where my wife, you know, if so God forbid something happens to me, you know, I want her to know how much I loved her. You know, I want her to know how much I know that she loves me. And the only way I'm going to do that is by telling her and, and showing her while I'm still here on this earth living. And you, you can do the same thing to those whom you love, to those whom... It is important for you to know for the it's important for you that they know how much you love them. You know, don't don't waste time anymore. It's like we 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 look at this life, we look at what's in front of us, and yeah, it can be really easy just to get into a rut. I mean, I understand work happens to us all. A job, you know, and, and bills and hobbies and you know, kids' appointments. I mean, all of these things, yeah, they, they're they part of our lives, they, all the busy work that we do, but God forbid we ever become so busy that we forget what life is about in the first place, why God gave us breath in our lungs in the first place. And that's to be with other humans. Remember when he created Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll create a help me for him. And it wasn't just that man could be with a woman and a woman could be with man, but it's about society in general. It's about the, 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 the compassion that we have with one another. That's what makes us different than the rest of, 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 the, of the kingdom of animals, right? The animal kingdom is that we're actually able to interact and be social and be, you know, we, we build each other up based on our relationship with another or... We could tear each other down, which is definitely commonplace. Here recently, you know, um, that 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 celebrity Kobe Bryant died, and, and it was a big deal. I mean, it's still to the world, right? It's been almost a week now, and that story has resonated over the entire world. Of course, you got some people who are like, well, why is his story? Why is his death seemingly so much more important than the than the than the veterans, you know, who died, the military people? And I, and I understand, believe me, all. Anytime that a military member dies, especially in the active service of the police officers or firefighters or any kind of um, public service dies, you know, because they're trying to protect us, that ought to be a big deal. And that it should. And I, and I believe it is. But at the same time, nobody goes in the military looking for a parade when, if they were to pass, pass away in the line of duty because they know that that's just a part of 
life. And I'm not saying that Kobe Bryant was even looking for, you know, some sort of recognition. My point is this, is that death generally brings some sort of unification. Um, and it, what's interesting about this Kobe Bryant death is it's kind of put everybody, not everybody, because some people just don't know or don't care. But for those who are aware of his status and what he did for society, what he did for his charitable works beyond just playing basketball, you know, it's probably one of the biggest celebrity deaths to hit, you know, really society in a long time. And I think a lot of that's because it's not so much that they are mourning Kobe Bryant because they didn't know Kobe Bryant, but they're mourning their memories of Kobe Bryant. What they were doing, seeing, or who they were relating with when they were enjoying what he would bring to the table. Whenever he'd be playing basketball, you know, you you know, if if, they, if you're a big basketball fan, right, and you would watch Kobe Bryant. Let's say you even let's say you're a big Lakers fan when he played for the Lakers. I don't necessarily think you're mourning the fact that a, your favorite player died, but I think what you're doing is you're mourning the favorite player that you were watching with maybe your grandpa or your dad or your mom or your daughter or somebody whom you love and you have a good strong memory with while you were partaking and enjoying something together and i think it's a lot of this you know kind of like when michael jackson died i don't think a lot of people were mourning michael jackson but they were mourning the memories they have associated with michael jackson my, my point in all of this is, is saying that we need each other our memories are reliant on each other and we can't just no more. I, I don't. I don't think we can really afford to just stay inside our closets and and and, and our homes and our, you know, our proverbial closets, right? Our homes and our our living rooms and just. I'm not gonna go out there and talk to anybody. You know. I mean, I think that if you want to be successful in this world, not successful, not in the monetary sense or the business sense, but I'm just talking about happiness and joy and, and saying at the end of the day, I, at the end of my life, I'm fulfilled. You have to do that by interacting with other people. And I know that's risky because when you interact with other people, you can develop relationships and feelings and, uh, bonds and those bonds when they're broken whether by death or otherwise it hurts it's painful and it's definitely not fun but you know what when this bond was broken between myself and my mother-in-law because of her passing I don't regret it I don't regret loving her and taking you know and, and doing everything that we could as a family to show her what we love her I don't regret any of those things why because she was worth it you know, her, her memory is worth it to me is it's, it's about just going beyond ourselves and going beyond, you know, how we think things ought to be and really looking at things, how they truly, really are. I want to go to scripture real quick as before we close, um, James one verse two, you've probably heard this scripture many times. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. See, perseverance is not something you're just born with, patience, right? Just go to any preschool and you'll see patience is not something that kids have naturally. It has to be developed. It has to be practiced. It has to be 
you know, really crafted. And some people are really, really good at perseverance and patience. And, and I think patience, honestly, is one of the biggest traits of anybody. I mean, look at athletes, for example. I mean, a quarterback, right? We got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Go Chiefs, <laughs> right? But all of those players, they have to practice. They have to practice knowing when to throw the ball, how to throw the ball, whom to throw the ball to, uh, to you know, waiting for the right moment. To all you know, patience and the perseverance is paramount in any kind of activity, especially even athletic. But just in general, this life, we have to be able to, if we're going to make the right steps, if they're going to make steps that are going to be beneficial for us, we have to understand and develop perseverance and patience. Being able to look at life and not hastily go through it like a, like a wrecking ball, but on purpose and strategically and looking at life not as something that we just fumble ourselves through, but we're purposely living. You know, when I get up in the morning, I'd like to be able to know that I have a purpose for that day. Now, that could be any purpose at all. That could that If my purpose is to just lounge around and watch basketball all day or football, and then I'll do that. Believe me, I have no problem doing that. But if I have a purpose to go maybe work out that day or do something, uh, maybe a new hobby or meet somebody new, or when I go to work, you know, be really productive at the end of the day where I feel good with what I got accomplished. Having some sort of goal in mind is not a bad thing, but here's the problem. When you have a goal in mind, when you have something that is you're racing and you're going towards, you're always going to have stumbling blocks. Okay. In this life, especially, we're going to have things that are going to be put in front of us that are going to be there for the sole objective to trip us up. And that's why the Bible tells us in James to consider it joy. Okay, it, when you face trials of many kinds, consider it joy. Not joy that you're going through these things, but joy because you're able to over be more than conquerors. The Bible tells us that we're more than conquerors in Jesus. And so anytime that we are faced with an obstacle, anytime we're faced with a hardship, anytime we're faced with a jarring experience like we were given on vacation with my wife's mother's passing, these things are to make us better. They're to make us be more persevered, to, to, to have better patience, to be able to walk through life with a clearer understanding of a full purpose. And that, my friends, will go so far. So walk today in purpose. Walk today knowing that God is taking care of you. He, he has you in his hands. Nothing can take you away from him. The Bible says we're to be fully persuaded that absolutely nothing can pull us away from his love. I promise you, keep that in your heart, keep that in your mind, and God will not only bless you, reward you, but he will keep you. Back on the horse. We are here again. Thank you guys again for your patience. Thanks for waiting. Thank you for just allowing me for the last several weeks to kind of recoup. Hopefully this last uh, oh, 55 minutes or whatever has helped you to understand kind of where my heart's been. And um, I missed you. I missed doing this. I missed talking to you. And uh, we're back on the we're, we're we're back on the horse. We're back again, and uh, I promise you, uh, we're gonna just uh, make this every week from here on out for the rest of the year, unless I have something else happen <laughs> that I'll tell you all about it. But the intention is to keep this active, to keep this going, and to not stop. Until next time, God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo.